0: Welcome to Write On My Heart, I'm Annie and I'm so thankful for the opportunity to study the Bible with you this week. Last week we studied chapter 4 of Esther and the chapter ended with Esther behaving like a queen through and through. There had been a decree issued establishing a date to slaughter all of the Jews. She commanded Mordecai to gather all the Jews and fast for three days before she approached King Xerxes on behalf of her people. It was punishable by death for her to approach the king because she had not been summoned. She was very well aware of King Xerxes' temperament and the previous queen's fate, so this was indescribably brave. I left you with a question. Throughout the book of Esther, we see a call to fast, but not a call to prayer. So I asked, what makes prayer a challenge in your life? Well, ironically, I was in my car this morning. It was completely silent. Traffic was light. I wasn't on the interstate, and I felt like it was the perfect time to talk to God. But then I realized I had absolutely nothing to say so of course that reminded me of this question of what makes prayer challenging well sometimes prayer is challenging because we're distracted sometimes we need to repent of a sin and step back into the will of God in order to pray and sometimes we just don't have anything to say this is not the first time I've gone to God with an open heart but I've been tongue-tied so I've gotten some great advice about this i've been told to read other people's prayers when i can't find the words or read a chapter of the bible and talk to god about it Um, i was taught to count all of my blessings or to just hang out in the silence for a while and listen there are several things that can make prayer a challenge though so it's likely the solution is going to be different in each situation but the truth is prayer is hard and if it isn't hard if it's not hard for you right now, there there will be a time in your Christian walk that it is difficult. Prayer is communication with God. Even communicating with people we love and can tangibly see, hear, and touch, it's hard work. And think about it. 55% of communication is nonverbal or body language. And we do not have that ability to see God's body language through prayer. Perhaps this is because praying isn't meant to be easy. Communication is relational. God may not want every conversation with us to be an easy conversation. He wants a deeply personal relationship with us. When I look at my life, my husband is my favorite person in the world to talk with. And we've had a lot of great conversations that come easily and they're filled with laughter and fun. However, The hard conversations, the ones where we're vulnerable and bear our souls to each other, are the ones that strengthen and intensify our relationship. And I think that's what God wants too a deep and meaningful relationship with us. So that wraps up last week's thoughts. Let's talk about this week. I've broken this chapter into two smaller parts so that I can pause and add some background. Then we'll end with a question to be thinking about in the upcoming week. All right, let's get into chapter 5, verses 1 through 8. On the third day, Esther put on her royal robes and stood in the inner court of the king's palace in front of the king's quarters, while the king was sitting on his royal throne inside the throne room opposite the entrance to the palace. And when the king saw Queen Esther standing in the court, she won favor in his sight, and he held out to Esther the golden scepter that was in his hand. Then Esther approached and touched the tip of the scepter, and the king said to her, "'What is it, Queen Esther? "'What is your request? "'It shall be given to you, "'even to the half of my kingdom.' And Esther said, "'If it please the king, Let the king and Haman come today to a feast that I have prepared for the king. Then the king said, Bring Haman quickly, so that we may do as Esther has asked. So the king and Haman came to the feast that Esther had prepared. And as they were drinking wine after the feast, the king said to Esther, What is your wish? It shall be granted to you. And what is your request? Even to the half of my kingdom, it shall be fulfilled." Then Esther answered, my wish and my request is, if I have found favor in the sight of the king and if it please the king to grant my wish and fulfill my request, let the king and Haman come to the feast that I will prepare for them. And tomorrow I will do as the king has said. These verses are more suspenseful than a lifetime movie of the week. First, we see Esther preparing to approach the king. If you remember her first night with the king, she went to him and let her beauty stand on its own with no accessories or especially fine clothing. But her preparation to approach King Xerxes this time is very different. She's doing everything she can to look her best for him. This tells me she's nervous and she was eager to gain his favor. I have no doubt she looked gorgeous, but this preparation represents so much more than a preparation of her physical beauty. It's a transformation. She takes off her fasting clothes and replaces them with her royal robes. It's almost as if she is shedding that passive 15-year-old girl who was taken to the harem and replacing her with an assertive and courageous queen. So we come to this climactic moment. Xerxes was probably busy conducting state business and this beautiful wife appears. I can't wait to meet Esther in heaven and ask her to tell me her story because just reading about this moment in her life makes me hold my breath for her. Her heart must have been racing and even though it is not mentioned, I just can't imagine Esther was not praying. Xerxes holds out his scepter, such a simple action that was in actuality a life and death gesture. Esther steps forward and touches the scepter, which would have been the custom of that day. Another interesting aside, the king called her Queen Esther. She is referred to by name 37 times in this book. She is called by the title of Queen Esther 14 times in this book. And 13 of those instances occur after Esther 5-1. This is again showing that she has embraced her role as a queen. Surely the king noticed her nervousness. I know I would have been visibly trembling and shaken with this mixture of fear and relief if I were in Esther's position. Queen or not, courage is not an absence of fear. And the king must have known that something was disturbing Esther terribly for her to have approached him in this way so he tries to calm her by asking her what her request was and telling her it would be granted even if it was up to half the kingdom he's basically saying I'll give you anything your heart desires my answer to you is going to be yes so she invites King Xerxes and Haman to a banquet I thought this was odd at first But the more I thought about it, it's pretty smart that Esther wants Haman present when she tells the king that Haman is demanding the death of the Jews, thereby he's also demanding her death. Haman can't deny, double talk, lie, or weasel his way out of Esther's accusation if she's present to hold him accountable. I also think it's interesting that the king's response was to tell Haman to get himself over to the banquet. Haman is someone the king has promoted in position and handed his signet ring to, but in this action, I think we're seeing that Haman is no comparison to Esther. She is his queen, and when Esther says, come, you'd better run. It's fascinating to see her influence on the two most powerful men in the kingdom. Then, at the banquet, the king reassured her again, telling her more or less he'd give her anything. Um, But she still didn't share what was disturbing her. I think he must have noticed her nervousness if he's trying to reassure her in this way again. Instead of making her request, she asked the king and Haman to attend another banquet the following day where she would make the request. I wonder if she might have needed another day to build up the courage to share her request. Let's read the rest of the chapter and see how the rest of the evening went for Haman. And Haman went out that day joyful and glad of heart. But when Haman saw Mordecai in the king's gate, that he neither rose nor trembled before him, he was filled with wrath against Mordecai. Nevertheless, Haman restrained himself and went home, and he sent and brought his friends and his wife, Zeresh. And Haman recounted to them the splendor of his riches, the number of his sons, all the promotions with which the king had honored him, and how he advanced him above the officials and the servants of the king. Then Haman said, Even Queen Esther let no one but me come with the king to the feast she prepared, and to-morrow also. I am invited by her together with the king, yet all this is worth nothing to me so long as I see Mordecai the Jew sitting at the king's gate. Then his wife, Zeresh, and all his friends said to him, Let a gallows fifty cubits high be made, and in the morning tell the king to have Mordecai hanged upon it. Then go joyfully with the king to the feast. This idea pleased Haman, and he had the gallows made. Let's break down these verses a little bit. Haman enjoys the banquet and leaves the palace in great spirits because he was invited back for another banquet the following day. Then he passes Mordecai who would not bow to him. His good spirits quickly turned to fury. And that evening he gathered with his friends and family to brag about his riches, his children, and his job. People have not changed much in this sense. Why? people do this if you are bragging about your good fortune to someone who is more fortunate than you you look very foolish and if you are bragging to someone who is less fortunate than you you look like a pompous jerk pride is a dangerous thing comparison is a dangerous thing luckily there's a safe alternative be humble and have a grateful heart anyway Haman finishes telling all of his friends just how great his life is, but then he complains that all the money, family, and his affluent position amount to nothing when he sees Mordecai sitting at the king's gate. Zerish, Haman's wife, and all of his friends said to have gallows made, and tomorrow talk to the king about hanging Mordecai so that you can go to the banquet and enjoy yourself. So Haman had the gallows built the gallows he had built for Mordecai were about 75 feet. Interesting fact, the name Mordecai means little, so Mordecai was probably short. Gallows that size were a tall order of hatred for a little man. And this is where we'll pick up next week on Ride right on My Heart. In the meantime, would you consider this? Chapter 5 shows a transformation taking place in Esther as she's, in, as she's preparing to encounter her king. How should we be transforming in preparation for our encounter with the king of kings? Resources used for this podcast were the Version Bible app, the ESV translation of the Bible, J. Vernon McGee's commentary, Corey Trimble's sermons, Ravi Zacharias podcasts and todayintheword.org. Thanks again for spending some time in the scripture with me today. My prayer is that his words resonate in your heart and mind this week.